You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 1, and we're going to be reading in verse 8. We have covered verses 1 through 7, the introduction to the book of Romans, and now we're going to look at verses 8 through 15. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers." And making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Amen, amen. Now, this is is a very personal note that Paul gives here. It's a personal greeting. There in verse 8, he says, Before anything else, first, let me say something. That's basically what he's saying. And uh, it's this personal greeting from verses 8 through 15 Paul gives uh, before he launches off into the, the doctrinal part of his book. Paul's point in these verses is his desire to come to Rome. He has been on three missionary journeys. He has wanted to go two or three places. God hindered him uh, from going north, and he's hindered him from making it all the way to Italy, to Rome, and he's wanted to. Paul was not the one who founded the church at Rome. He founded a lot of churches. Most all of the churches that he writes letters to, he had something to do with starting those churches, but this Roman church is kind of a mystery. And Paul had not been to Rome nor met these believers, but he'd heard of them and maybe even had some other correspondence with them. He knew them. He knew who they were. Personally, he had not met them, but he knew of them. Paul, being the apostle to the Gentiles, must have felt a responsibility also to go to them. He had been hindered, he tells us. In his personal greeting, we see three ways he was praying for them. Number one, an eager greeting. Number one, Paul's prayer of thanksgiving. We find it in verse 8. Verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, for your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. All right? So let's look at this. Number one, he thanks them by his faith. By his faith. Paul's prayer of thanksgiving, he, he prays, look at this, verse 8, for I thank my God through Jesus Christ. First of all, he thanks God for them by his faith. 
His faith. He said it's through Jesus Christ that I thank God for you. What makes Paul think he can make a request of God? This is why he prays for him, through his faith. What makes Paul think that his prayer is going to be effective? That he can approach the throne of God. That he can speak to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who, who is he? Who do you think you are, Paul? Well, uh, it was on the basis of his faith in Christ. He said, I thank God for you. I pray for you through Jesus Christ. I don't just do it willy-nilly. I am in Christ, therefore I have the right to boldly approach the throne of grace on your behalf. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are when we get into the benefits of salvation. Peace with God. And then number 2, look at verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into His grace in which we stand. I tell you what, if you're anything more than a Baptist, you'd have shouted about that right there. Amen? We have access by faith into his grace let me give you Hebrews 4.16 you know this verse let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need we can come boldly not not, uh, uh, flippantly yes respectfully just like I would my mom or my dad but I want to tell you something when everything was right in the house and all was good and I hadn't disobeyed and mom and daddy wasn't mad at me for doing something back talking or whatever when daddy come home from work and he sat in his easy chair when I was a little kid uh, I, I would run and I would jump in the big middle of my daddy. And that was when I was a kid, not now. <laughs> Wouldn't have uh, been bad if I'd done it now. Anyway, but I would jump right in the big middle of his lap and I'd put my arms around his neck and I'd kiss his old scruffy face and I'd say, Daddy, can I have somebody to go get me a candy bar? <laughs> my dad would stand up throwing me to the floor. He'd kick me in the tail and slap me in the face and say, how dare you disturb your father? Now, of course he didn't. He would grab me around the head. He'd scob my knob. And he'd say, I'm not giving you any money, you little rat, you knucklehead. And we'd wrestle around. Then he'd slip in his pocket and reach out and give me a couple dollars to go get me a candy bar. That's the picture we see when he says, it says we can cry, Abba, Father. That, that's an intimate term. And that's the thing. He says, I can do this because God is my Father. And I can claim that on your behalf because Jesus Christ made me His. We have access by grace, by faith, into this grace in which we stand. And He says, through the Lord Jesus Christ, I can pray for you. And then number two, he says, I can pray for you and I am praying for you for their faith. First of all, he prays for them by his faith and then he prays for them and thanks God for their faith. Now, isn't this interesting? Even our faith is a gift from God. He doesn't thank them for their faith. Boy, I thank you that you chose Jesus. I thank you. That's not what he said. He said, I thank God that he has given you faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. Listen to the next phrase. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank God that God 
came to us in a service much like this, through a Christian witness, through a preaching mama, through a preaching daddy, a testifying friend, and God, through the gospel, opened our hearts, he opened our ears, he opened our eyes, and we placed our faith in him. And we thank God for that. The Bible says no man should boast about anything about his salvation. To do so is blasphemous. Thank God, he said, I'm thanking God for your faith. He thanked God that he opened their eyes, that he opened their ears, and and that he gave them new life. Number three, he thanked God for their fame. Your faith is is known throughout the whole world. He said, everywhere I go, I hear about this church that started in Rome. I mean, all over the world. Now, let me tell you what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean that they heard about the Roman church in North and South America. Okay, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean that it was all over the globe that they'd been saved, but all over the known world, if you would. And in particular, he said, let me tell you something, all the Jews and all the Gentiles that we're a part of, all of them are talking about what faith y'all have in Jesus. Meaning Jews and Gentiles from all over. Not that every person and every nation had heard of their faith, but that all kinds of people in him. So he prayed for them. He prayed, number one, by his faith. He prayed for their faith, and then he prayed for their fame. Or thank God, if you would, for their fame and their faith and those things. Number two, we find that Paul's prayer also included intercession. We find through these verses that Paul's prayer included intercession. Now, by this, what I'm talking about is he just prayed for them. He prayed for them. We think of intercession. A lot of times we emphasize, you know, coming in between. But any prayer is intercession. Anytime I pray for you, I am interceding between you and God, asking God to help you, heal you, bless you, grow you, give you knowledge, whatever. And so Paul's prayer of intercession, we find in verse 9, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers." making mention of you in my prayers. Basically, what Paul was saying is, I talk to God about you all the time. Now, not every second of every minute. Every prayer he prays is not about them. You understand what he's saying. You understand that. You you don't pray for your children every minute of every day, but I tell you what, more often than anybody else, you probably are praying for your children or your loved ones, or your church. There's some people you just often keep up in the front of your mind and you're praying for them, and he is saying this. He said, I want to tell you, you're at the top of my prayer list. You're at the top of my prayer list. Now, number one, look at the fervency of Paul's prayer. As God is my witness. For God is my witness. I am trying my best to find a way, a prosperous and an expedient journey to you. That's what he was praying that he could come to them. He said, as God is my witness, I pray for you all the time. And I'm always praying, God, let me go to Rome. He was just, you could just hear the anticipation in his heart and his voice, ready to be with them. But until then, this letter's going to have to do, (laughs) Right? And so we see the fervency of his prayer. Then we see the frequency of his prayer. The frequency, without ceasing. I make mention always, and I've already talked about that. No wonder he had to call on God to testify. (laughs) 
He said, I mean this. I pray all the time. I mean it. I want to be with you. I want to see you, and I want to impart to you the things that God has put in me. Now, thirdly, we come to our third main point, and that is Paul's prayer of supplication. Specific requests that he makes. He's going to give a few of these specific requests. First of all, we see that phrase, I make requests. This is the word, Dio my, I believe is how you pronounce it. It means to ask for with urgency. With urgency. And again, and again, there you have the fervency of his prayer. He is asking with urgency, with the implication of presumed need. It means to plead or to beg. This is how fervent Paul was about wanting to see them, wanting to preach to them, wanting to teach them, wanting to minister with them. Number one, he wanted to have fellowship. He said, I want to have some fellowship with you. So he prayed and he requested God that he could be with them and have fellowship. He wanted to see them. That's what it specifically says there in verse 10, that I may see you. Now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you. He says, I tell you, I feel like I know you, and I just can't wait to put my arms around you and to see you, to sing with you, to preach to you, for you to preach to me, whatever it is. I just can't wait to be with you in person. He wanted to see him. In Romans 15, verses 20, we find this, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. He said, I, I'm not looking to go build on somebody else, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he has, was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. He said, one of the reasons I haven't made it to Rome is that I'm so busy over here preaching to people that have never heard. That's my job. That's what God's called me to, is to preach to people that have never heard. And so I've been kind of busy. Verse 23, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. In other words, he said, I, I'm fixing to get to see you. Now, Paul did not found the church. He had not been to the church. He had uh, only heard of the church, but he certainly wanted to see the church. He wanted to serve them. He wanted to serve them. Look at verse 10, he says, making requests if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. What does that mean to impart to them some spiritual gift? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean first. Number one, it does not mean salvation. He wasn't saying, I want to come to you and preach the gospel to you so that you'll get saved to give you the gift of salvation. Why is that? Because they already were saved, okay? They already knew Jesus. That's why he was so excited. Number two, this is not to give them a spiritual gift. Paul wasn't saying, I can't wait to get there so that I can give you a spiritual gift. You know why that is? Because he wasn't a spirit. <laughs> and only the spirit gives spiritual gifts. A human being, I can't give you a spiritual gift. God gives those spiritual gifts. He gives you the talents and the abilities and the gifts that you have, and he expects you to use your spiritual gifts in the church. Everybody say amen. Then what's he saying? He is saying he wants to come and use his spiritual gift to them. 
He wants to impart what God has done with him to them. He was a preacher, therefore he wanted to preach to them. Uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to serve them. He wanted to minister to them. He, uh, he wanted to do whatever gift he had. He wanted to show them. He wanted to teach them. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of study about spiritual gifts right here. Okay? Number one, edifying the church is always the reason for spiritual gifts. Number two, no spiritual gift is given for self-edification. No spiritual gift is given for you to build yourself up. Grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, now chapter 14, Paul is talking about the Corinthians' misuse of gifts, in particular, the big one that we all fuss about, and that's tongues. What is tongues? By the way, tongues is just the supernatural ability to speak another known human language. It's not some gibberish. It ain't angel. It ain't. It isn't angel talk. It isn't uh, heaven talk. It, it is in the fact that God gives you the supernatural ability. I don't believe that that gift is available anymore. We don't need it. You know why? Because we have the Word of God, and we basically have the Word of God translated in every language of the world. And it was given for a specific reason. I'll show you that maybe here in just a minute. All right? I don't want to go too long on this. But notice, if you would, verse 1. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. By the way, this is not the supernatural necessarily, the supernatural ability to foretell the future. In other words, Paul was a prophet, and he could tell you what God was going to do before God did it. He knew supernaturally, but that's I am a prophet in the sense that I foretell the word. Forth. Hmm. Forth tell the word. I don't foretell the future, but I do forth tell the word. That's what I'm doing. I'm prophesying this morning. It is basically the word for teaching, to preach, to teach. And all I preach and teach is what God says. I don't have any authority to tell you anything other than what's between these two folds of leather. Right here. And so he says, I want you ought to all be preachers testifiers. Everybody in this building ought to be a preacher. Now, you may not be able to hold the office of a pastor and an elder, but everybody ought to be out preaching the gospel to people around them. Say amen. amen. For he who speaks in a tongue, a tongue, a language, that's all that word means. It just means a language. Does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. Now, God understands him. They may understand what they're saying, but God, and God, but nobody else. So everybody else is just twiddling their thumbs, waiting for somebody who speaks their language to say something. How even in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, that's not mystical because that word mystery, in other words, what it says is it's a mystery to everybody because we don't know what in the world you're saying. Now, look at verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. There you go. That's what we're looking for. We want someone to get up in church and speak English because we speak English, right? What if I got up here and said, folks, I want you to turn to the book of Romans, and then I began to read it in Greek, and then after I read it in Greek, I kept preaching it in Greek. And at the end of the service, you'd say, that was Greek to me. That's what you say, right? Come on, people, help me out here. I didn't understand a word Brother On said. 
then in that context you could leave saying, and you know, I didn't get anything out of that service because I couldn't understand anything. And so Paul was saying here, it's better for you for edification, exhortation to speak languages people know. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now there, people hang a whole doctrine on that verse right there. I want to tell you something. You're assuming that Paul was saying that was a good thing. I assume and I believe that what Paul was saying is you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be using gifts to edify yourself. That's not what they're given for. They are given for the edification of the church and the furthering of the gospel and the preaching and promoting of the word of God. It says gifts are for the edifying of the church and it is rebuking those who use spiritual gifts to show off because that's what they were doing to show off. And Paul said, I want to come to you and I want to use the gifts that I have been given by God to build you up and to edify you. Number three, let's go on. He wants to strengthen them. He wants to strengthen them that you may be established. And I'm going to go on quickly. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. He wanted to build them up in their faith and build them up in their spiritual strength. And number four, he wants to shout with them. He says, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. He said, I want to get together and talk about our salvation. I want to tell you all how I got saved. I want to talk about how I got saved, and then I want to sit there and listen to you Romans, and I want to to know how in the world the gospel got here. Who started this church? How did you pick your elders? And what has the Lord taught you? And what are you doing? How do you see this in the Bible? And let's study the Word of God together and talk about the gospel. I tell you, if that's not fun to you, something's wrong in your heart. The old song, let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is He. The Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's just talk about Jesus more and more. Do you feel like that? I am very eager. I am very eager to talk to you about the things of God. That's why I said shout. He just had a shouting in his voice or in his heart about the things of God. He was excited. Do you get excited about the things of God? Number two, he wanted fruit. Not only fellowship, but he wanted to to share with them that they may have some fruit. Paul wanted to be a part of the good things happening there. He wanted to preach the gospel and have fruit of new believers. He wanted to teach doctrine to have fruit of healthy Christians and to see the church get healthier and healthier and healthier and more and more and more people get saved. Now let me go quickly to my last point. Paul's proclamation of intention. He said in verse 14, Read it with me. I am a debtor both to the Greek and the barbarian, both to the wise and unwise. Verse 6, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I am ready to preach the gospel. First of all, he said, I am responsible. I am responsible. Now, Paul was a preacher. He was an elder, a pastor most likely in some places. He was a missionary. 
But above all things, as a human office, he held the highest human church office that you can hold. He was an apostle. There are no more apostles. He was the last one. There were 13, and he was the last one, the apostle to the Gentiles. But he noticed something here. He says, I am a debtor. I owe something. That is, I owe preaching the gospel to these people. Now, he uses barbarians, and he uses uh, Greeks. That means the upper crust and the under crust, the smart ones and the dumb ones. All right? I want to preach to everybody because the gospel is for everybody. Amen? And you know what it is? Some of you say, well, I deserve it more because I am one of the wise ones. I am one of the Greeks. I'm the upper crust. Really, the Bible says that God usually chooses those that are in the other groups. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, but we won't go there. He says, I'm a debtor to everybody. I'm called. This is what Antioch East Baptist Church is called. This is what you're called to, to preach the gospel to everybody around us. Now, listen, it's not your job to win them all. You can't do that. That's God's job. But I want to tell you, if you will preach the gospel, God will give you souls. And he said, I'm a responsible. Why? Why was he a debtor to them? Why was Paul a debtor? It wasn't because of any personal debt he owed them. That's not what he meant. Maybe it was. Now listen. Listen to me, please. Listen. Maybe it was the vision of the broken, bleeding, splattered body of Stephen that remained in his memory when he consented to his own death and his stoning. He was the one holding the coats of those that pulverized the blessed deacon to death. Before Paul knew Christ, he was trying to kill Christians. And maybe every time Paul would go from city to city, maybe I'm sure every time he remembered. And listen, you don't just get out of your memory a stoning. I don't know what y'all thinking about little pebbles, little rocks. No, they would take boulders and they throw through Stephen in a pit. This was a deacon in a church, and he was an, an, a great spiritual, godly man. And they would take boulders this big and they throw it and crush. And and Paul sat there. It was Saul then holding the coats of those that did it thinking yeah that's right you get them and God saved him anyway despite that God saved Paul and maybe he said I'm a debtor because oh Stephen I don't know and remembering how God saved him and his hatred for Christ and he opened his eyes to the truth. Now, because of the grace shown to him, maybe he feels obligated to preach the gospel because of what God did. Well, surely that's part of it. I feel obligated to serve him because of the pit from which I was digged myself. All these factor into the fervency that he had. But the main reason he feels obligated is because now that he's saved, he believes in God and believes in Jesus. And you know what? He wants to do what God says. And he tells us in verse 1, verse 1, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. I'll tell you why I feel obligated. Because God Almighty in heaven, has called me to it. Listen, I want you to go witness to people because, listen, the Bible says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade them. They're not going to spiritual timeout. They're going to hell. So I want you to go preach the gospel to them and bring them in. I want you to preach the gospel to them because of the testimony of your mom and your dad. I want you to go testify of Jesus because you're a member of Antioch East Baptist Church. But my friend, the reason that you ought to be a witness is because God told you to. God is the one that sent you. Brother Ron's not. Oh, you hear me hollering at you all the time. But my friend, when you get to heaven and stand before God, 
It is He that calls you into this ministry. And it is He you must answer to. The gospel is to be preached to all people. And then last of all, and I'm finished, He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. As much as in me is, let me tell you something, I'm full of it. I'm just full. It started at the bottom of my feet. It worked up through my legs and in my stomach and out my chest. And here it is in my mouth and I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm ready to go. Let me tell you something. Paul said, I've been saved by the gospel. I've been called to preach the gospel. Now here's the important one. He said, I know the gospel. I know the gospel. That's why, people, I'm preaching these sermons to you. That's why I'm teaching through the book of Romans. I know so many people say, Brother Ron, I'm so scared to go witness. I don't know what to say. Let me tell you something. Don't sit there in that laziness. Get to knowing it. Know the gospel. Know how to share it. Know how to argue the things. You say, what if something comes up I don't understand? God will help you. Don't worry about it. Just learn to share that gospel and be ready. And I want to tell you something. When you get full of it, you'll get ready for it. We'll fill ourselves with too much other stuff. That's our problem. We're too, too worried about other things. We're not mindful of those around us going to hell without Christ. We must preach this gospel. Be ready. Are you ready?